This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are finding and redefining the sales game today. We have got a very special episode for you with... A guest host, even though we didn't really need one, sometimes I just like to hang out with this guy. Mr. Ryan Deeds joins us, as well as our featured guest, Mr. Jeff Teschke from Forge 3. What's going on, fellas? Deeds, you started you started going down one of your rabbit holes, man. We had to put the brakes on so we could get it on tape. But go ahead and talk about what you were talking about. You can actually kind of introduce Jeff a little bit, and then we'll let him fill in the blanks. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it was honor. It was, it was cool when you hit me up this morning. I was like, yes, I get to go in with Jeff. I mean, it lines up with a couple different things. But first, yeah, I, I, I'm, I followed Jeff for probably 10 years. You know, when I was at Crichton, they'd created a product that was really trying to take this intangible product that we sell in insurance and make it tangible. So a producer could go out, show this this kind of website hover over different areas and it would show like the, the cyber risk and the, the business interruption risk and all these different things. And I thought it was awesome. And so, you know, and then obviously we've, we've thought about engaging Forge 3 at the different agencies that I've worked at to come in and build websites, you know, being on the other side of that now, it, I can understand where we should have gone and what we didn't do. But yeah, so I, I know Jeff, I, I respect him. He was in tech before and tech was a thing, man. I mean, it's like, you guys in like rocket referrals have been around forever and you know now it's this insure tech wave and, and we all get to kind of coast on it but i think you guys were like the front runners you know what I, this must be my week for or a couple of weeks for interviewing like the ogs of insure tech because i had the guy from appulate on too last week I, I talked to them and they'd been i mean i did not i i knew that i've been getting emails in my inbox from them for at least 15 years but i didn't realize like how long they had actually been in the game and it was interesting just to hear what uh, what they had to say about sort of where they started where they're at and what's going on over there too it's always nice to see people who withstand the test of time in the insure tech space right because so many people are in and out quick hit sell to applied and vertifor get your money and run then there are other people that are in it for the long haul i'm not you know debating the merits of one over the other i'm just saying it's nice to see Heck yeah. It just makes me sound old, Ryan. That's what you just did there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old, no, man. That's true. Although, you know, where that came from, Ryan, was I started my career at Chubb. My dad worked at Chubb his whole career. And uh, when I graduated back in 2000, um, Chubb made me an offer. So I actually got my start at the carrier side. And my dad was running a big agency at that time called PLI, which was later sold to Hub International. So I started doing tech in insurance back in the late 90s, early 2000s, even before Forge 3 was founded back in 2004. So it goes back even before probably what you're, uh, what you're thinking. It's about so my tenure too. That's, that's about as long as I've been in the game as well. I started doing data in 2001. Yep. So, hey, hey Kyle, what's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> what's, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Kyle's here. I'm just like a fly just, on the wall here. Yeah, I, I was not in. I was not in tech in two thousand in two thousand and one. You were probably in. I was in, I was in high school. I was in high school with my learner's permit, just crushing it, scaring the shit out of people on East Lake Road. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Jeff, I mean, 
if you were doing stuff before Forge Three, talk a little bit about that because I'm interested in the progression of how you got to where you're at. Yeah, now. for sure. I'll make it. I'll make it a short, short version. My dad worked at Chubb, like I mentioned, and uh, when I was going to school, University of Scranton. You watched The Office. Best show on the <laughs> oh, planet, nice. Right? So I went to school at the University of Scranton, and um, it was doing some part-time stuff for Chubb. And it was back in the webmaster days when the title was webmaster. So that was my that was my title back then. And then uh, eventually, when I graduated, they made me an offer. I worked at the agency my dad was running called PLI. It was a big agency, about 300 people across the country, about 30 field offices. That was eventually sold to Hub International. Um, and then we kind of got disbanded, right? So I, I was on on the unemployment line, not knowing what, what happened to me. I'm watching a VCR tape and one of those carts they drag out in front of you about how to prepare a resume. And I'm like, what the heck happened here? Where's my gold cufflinks and uh, my, my coasters with the Chubb logos on it and the whole thing, right? And um, that was really the start of Forge 3. In between that, I did a mobile scavenger hunt game, played with cell phone cameras. Microsoft ended up licensing that. It's a fun story if you want to get into it. But Forge 3 really came out of that in 2004. And a funny story, Ryan, is clickable coverage, which is what you're talking about. The original idea behind that was uh, we were working on a lot of insurance agency websites. We were doing carrier websites, association websites. They were all custom back then. Whereas now with our active agency platform, it's a platform. It's a much different model and a much better model, better quality too. Uh, but the idea was we're writing all this content and nobody's reading anything. Like people don't find insurance interesting by default. And uh, we were looking at the time spent on these pages and it was like six seconds. Like, well, what, what's the point of writing anything if nobody's reading it? So that's where these clickable co coverage graphics came from. And the original idea was let's make them the interactive graphics with these hotspots. You click on them and you kind of learn about the risks and learn about the solutions. And that was going to be the business. So instead of active agency and a whole website platform and all this, the original thinking was, let's just have this product called clickable coverage and then basically sell it and offer it to agencies across the country to use. We quickly discovered, though, that agency websites back then and still weren't great. They had no place to put them. Um, it was kind of a mess. They didn't know who had access to it. And then we quickly said, well, we got to just make clickable coverage a feature within a bigger website platform, which is where Active Agency came from. Kyle, yeah. who's the guy we had? We had a guy come on. I, I cannot remember for the life of me. It might have been Mark Suski when he when he came on. Um, you're Kyle, you're muted. Uh, Na but there was naturally. a guy that we yeah there was a guy that we had come on that we were talking we like basically invented something like while we were on the podcast which yeah. is uncommon but you remember I think it was Mark Siski from the um, the engineering company that was talking about how cool would it be if you could actually create a graphic of someone's actual building or property and then they could click a button and it would show <laughs> what would happen if they had a yeah. total fire loss like replicate what that would look like. I think that will happen when you look at AR. I mean, we, we played with that a little bit at Crichton. You know, we were playing with a system called Magic Leap and, and trying to educate the consumer. Again, you know, most consumers don't want to be educated. We talk about that all the time. But, you know, the 20% of the client base actually wants to be educated. But I always thought that would be badass if you could wear it like – bring a client out, throw some glasses on them, have them look at their thing and then be like, all right, here's what happens if a flood happens. Here's what happens if a fire happens, you know, really, really making that real. I that might have been when Deeds was on. I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> no, you were the one that talked about it. It's all a blur. It was like five all, years all ago. All I know is Mark Susky was talking about deflagrations and that's about yeah, all I, I got. I don't even know what that, I still haven't even looked that word up. Yeah, I haven't even <laughs> yeah. looked it up. <laughs> but Jeff has actually been in my mind a lot because, you know, I've transferred over to the sales role at Enable and that means I'm going through all these websites. And so, and I'm probably looking at 50 or 60 insurance agency websites a day right now. And I'm just like, dude, this, like some of the stuff that's out there is crazy, just um, non-modern. Yeah. And it just really would turn somebody off. And so I, I, I've been, th it's just interesting that it's like a psychic connection this morning when that happened. <laughs> Literally for the last two weeks, that's what I've been doing. And I've just been like, Forge 3 needs to be all over this. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, you know, and, and I want to hear this from both of you, because I think that you have both different perspectives will probably be similar results. But I get frustrated with this, just watching conversations in the back channels of the different social you know, platforms that I'm on. What don't agents know about their website? That's like the most frustrating thing from a technology perspective for you guys. Because I can, hmm. I'll share my answer when when you're done. But I'm interested, you know, Jeff. When you engage yeah. with an agency, 
what is it that they don't know? And, and in some cases, I see they still don't know it after they have their website done, regardless of who the vendor is. They don't realize what their responsibility is for a website versus what their web vendor's responsibility is. And I think that there's this conundrum that happens because they get all irritated because they're paying a couple of hundred bucks for a website and they think they shouldn't have to lift a finger. Mm-hmm. I know that's not true. Yep. But I, I'm just interested because you guys have seen a bunch of, a bunch more of this stuff than I have. And then I've got a follow-up question after that, but Kyle's going to ask. So principal, <gasps> principal Jim reached out not that long ago and said, Jeff, um, first of all, sign us up for active agency. Okay, why? Well, for the first time in decades of running the agency, I had a prospect tell me to my face that the reason they're not going to pick our agency and we're going with the guys down the street is because our website sucks. Like that's literally what Jim, hmm. for the first time in decades running the agency, heard from a prospect. And that takes some guts for a prospect to say that to a, to a company owner like that. But think about how many times that's not being said. We do this all the time. If you buy something from Amazon, are you going to buy the product that has two stars or doesn't exist? Of course not. You're going to buy the thing that is popular, has five stars, reviews all over the place, and is like the credible thing, right? That's what you're going to buy is the product. And I think that's the number one thing that a lot of people kind of just don't you can't quantify it. You can't report on that. It's an opportunity cost, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. How many people are looking at this thing? If you have a website, hopefully you do. Some agencies still don't. And how many are looking at it and say, saying, geez, just like what you're saying, Ryan, this thing is awful. Like I, I don't even, they haven't updated it in 10 years or it looks just super crappy. And it, the first impression matters. You wouldn't wear sweatpants to a wedding typically. So why would an agency do the same thing with their website? I think that's the number one thing. And then, of course, there's different layers of that, David, right? So you get into it. So once you kind of understand that first impression matters and you got to show up and be visible and and, and show up in Google and, and, you know, people literally spend 0.2 seconds making up their mind about a company looking at their website. 0.2 seconds. It's not a lot of time. But then you go mm-hmm. a level deeper and it's like, all right, if you have the website, what kind of tools do you have built into it? that you can use? Do you have uh, have video proposals or what you were talking about before, clickable coverage, these interactive graphics or um, just personalization features and do you have forms, just easy contact forms, quote request forms, service center forms. And then the more you use that, obviously the more value you get out of the thing, whether you're spending a dollar or you're spending thousands of dollars, it's the more you use it, the more return you get out. You wouldn't buy a car and let it sit in the driveway and say, I'm not getting the value out of the car I just bought. You kind of have to drive the thing around a little bit to maximize the value of it. So I think it depends on this. There's a spectrum it's, there. It's, it's funny you said that because that's the exact same analogy I use every time. You can buy a Lamborghini and put it in your driveway, but if you don't put gas in the tank, where do you expect it? doesn't do it much. Go? That's right. Right. Well, I think that's an interesting point too, real, real quick. Sorry, Ryan, about the, you know, the clickable stuff. It's like, it, even if you think about non-related to, you know, what we're talking about here. Like if I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and I see a long ass post, 0% chance I'm reading that. Like if it's, if it's short, quick, or if it's something you can click on, I think that's, that's, that's totally a leg up. And what's interesting is looking at the stats on this. So the average time on an, on an agency webpage, take a guess at what you think it is across, you know, we see 1200 plus sites now. Um, 37 seconds. What do you? Oh, yeah, I was going to say less. I was going to say like 15. What do you think, Ryan? I, I think about that, but between that 15 and 45 seconds, yeah. I, it can't it's be closer more. to 10, which is almost like no yeah. time when you really think about wow. it. Wow. Right? And what's interesting is when you put something interactive, like clickable coverage or, even, or a video or you know something that engages people more than just a bunch of text, um, we've seen it go up to over six minutes with clickable coverage specifically. Wow. So. And you think about it, you're like, well, why is that? Because you're making a game out of it. You're gamificationizing the thing that you're trying to talk about, the insurance coverage, and you're trying to make it interesting and and relevant to people. And uh, so it absolutely works, but you can't just put a bunch of text, whether it's on social or whether it's on a website or in a brochure or a trifold or a PDF or whatever you're sending people. People aren't going to read it. They don't care about it. The attention span is going, you know, we Instagram, (laughs) you know, shorts and TikToks and YouTube shorts and you know, the, our attention span is so small right now. You have to meet people where they are to get them engaged. Yep. Yeah. Ryan, real quick, go ahead. I, I want you to answer that question that I'd originally asked. Well, I mean, I think it's the, the main thing is trust. You know, when you come to the I mean, everything that we're talking about is building trust. If I come to a website that has that that doesn't look 
trustworthy. It doesn't look like they, they cared. It doesn't, they look small. I mean, you instantly start niching away at that. If I'm on a website that I'm using clickable coverage or whatever, and they're educating me, it's building trust. Cover Wallet used to have an awesome feature on theirs where you could go in, and I think they still have it. You put an industry in, you put some demographic information, and they would give you like the bottom, what are the main coverages for that? I would spend hours on that website looking for different things because it was such a cool educational kind of thing. And we would use that at our agency to figure out how we approach stuff. So I think, you know, if you look at your website, you can be whatever you want to be um, there. And if you choose to not to be small and little, that's the problem. But I think ultimately the goal is trust. Do I trust this individual to know the business, to give me that I'm going to give them the business? That's what they got to walk away with it. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, you really have two resumes that people look at before they're ever going to reach out to you. Your website is certainly one of them and your mm -hmm. LinkedIn profile is the other one. <laughs> if you're in a professional capacity, people have the ability to vet you before they ever reach out. You know, and it's interesting, you're 100% on point about 20% of the people want to be educated. Even if that's the case, you still have to have content on your site because you want to educate the 20% that are actually actively out looking at it. Believe it or not, some of my best relationships have come from a blog post that I wrote on one of the most boring subjects ever, <laughs> but somebody was looking for the answer to that, right? Mm -hmm. I, write, I wrote a blog post on the workers' compensation experience modification factor. That was the title. It was long. It was really long. It still lives out there. And I have written millions of dollars of premium off of that one post. The very first account I got was $500,000 in premium because a guy who owned a company in Atlanta had a mod problem, Googled mm -hmm. it. I showed up. He read the post. And my voicemail was, hey, I read your post on the workers' comp experience modifier. It's obvious to me. You know what you're talking about. I'd like to hire you. I just need to know how much you cost and how quick you can get to Atlanta. Two days later, I was in this conference room with an AOR in my hand on a half a million dollar workers' comp account. There you so, go. I don't want people listening to this to think, oh, well, only 20% of the people want to be educated. That's fine. And, and I agree with that, but you got You still have to cater to that twenty percent because a hundred percent of the people want to be twenty percent of the time, right? Maybe yeah, that's there you a better go. way to do it because, like, yeah, you okay. a blog post, I get in trouble with my agent. My agent drops the ball on a renewal. I want to go out and figure out what else is out there. I do a quick like, Google search, and if I'm brought to that, now that I have a tr now that builds that trust. I mean, so you know, again, like you said, you don't want to take that and say, oh, only twenty percent, but. Everybody kind of wants to know when they want to know it. And so if your content's out there ready for it, it's just a narrow margin. Inside an agency, I think large commercial accounts really want to understand total cost of risk and all that. That's kind of what I was talking about. Yeah, 100%. And, and I agree with that. And, and that goes back to what I say all the time. One of the biggest gripes that I hear from agency principals is, oh, I'm paying this money every month to have a website. You mean I have to actually go out and create some of the content and put blogs on there and everything? Yeah, you do. I mean, you pay rent for your building, but you still have to show up for work every day to be <laughs> able to generate revenue. Right. You know, I mean, but that's the biggest issue that I have, right? Because th then the next conversation becomes, well, how much would it cost for me to hire somebody to do this for me and go out and write my material? It's not the same thing. Big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. You have to write and create your own content because that content's going to resonate with the right people 100% of the time. The people who aren't going to want to do business with you or they, they form an opinion on you based on your position or your writing style or whatever else, you're not going to have a good relationship with them if you deal with them face to face. I love it because I can invest the time to put content out there. And once it's there, it's done. I've got a salesperson working for me 24-7, 365. And I want to get as many salespeople out on the internet as I and can. You can't outsource it. You can't, it's like outsourcing this, this interview. Are you going to have somebody stand in for uh, you're going to hire ABC podcasting company to come in and to ask questions? You can't outsource this stuff. Right. That right. Stuff that performs well on social media is always behind the scenes content. Blog content would be the same way. Um, it's just it's just the way that it is. is. I mean, can you just I just a quick question for you. You, you have so much data about where people are staying on these websites. Is there one or two things that you see on the websites that are like, that's a win. If they put that on there, they're going to get a certain amount of engagement. It provides, you know, is, is there something that the agencies can look at and say, this is really going to capture attention? Yeah. So I want to hear what Jeff says, and then I'm going to tell you what I think it is based on our own stats. Yeah. And I think every agency should and do I'm, this. I'm, so curious, ahead, I'm curious what you see on your side too, David. Yeah. So um, we have about 1,200 clients right now. It's 
so you can kind of see across that's that's kind of the the data set if you will so the most popular pages which we would call opportunity pages home page obviously that's where a lot of people hit first but the about us page is actually up there is usually number two which is interesting so what does that mean that means and this is really underscores the advantage of an independent agency right it's the people it's about the agency it's the team pages it's they want to understand they want to get that warm fuzzy feeling dealing with people the human element of the of the business um, so those are the opportunity pages so if you have things that you want to share those are the two pages primarily that you want to kind of focus on because that's where most of the traffic is going to go um, kind of organically um, otherwise it's kind of a matter of where the agency focuses is it commercial lines personal lines is it a benefit shop what is it and then the content around that that subject is where, and that's what you were saying, David, you can play that up quite a bit. And it's not just writing, although writing is great, it's videos, it's clickable coverage, it's interactive stuff that you can kind of put on there to pull people in. And the more consistent you are with creating that content over time is when you see the most bang for the buck as far as people getting attracted to it organically, which is really cool. And we've all heard this, you know, it's kind of self-selecting. People get drawn in. Um, it's a sales force without having a sales force. And it just works for you. Uh, but it does take some Can time. I ask one question? So, so on the about page specifically, right? Because I've been looking at these quite a bit. Is it your guys' opinion that it's good to have the leadership team and the staff, to have just the leadership team, to have everybody? I mean, when, when you're looking through that that lens of humanizing the experience, because that's really what you're talking about, yeah. right? That authentic, trying to get authenticity. What's your opinion on how deep do the agencies go down that level? Well, it obviously depends on the size of the agency. I mean, we work with scratch agencies of one person up to global brokerage firms that have hundreds. So I think it depends on that. But I think in general, our recommendation always is to show the human element as much as you can. And it's not just team member pages and bio pages, but sharing photos behind the scenes. Are you going out, are you doing volunteer missions? Are you, um, are you doing parties? Did you get some milestones internally? Um, those types of things too, you wanna share that because that differentiates the agency from all the other agencies out there because a lot of folks aren't doing any of this. True. And it also definitely differentiates against direct writers and you know the Geico's and, and all the others out there. You got to play off that advantage. So I think the more that you do that, the better. And sometimes I think there's this, and I've been in this position too, because Forge 3 was a was a tiny little company getting started. It was me and like one person part-time. We're still small, but we have a couple dozen people now. Um, but back in the day, I was worried. Well, what if it's just me and a person? Like, is that does that make us look bad? Does it make us look too small? Um, I don't think so. You know, I think you, you kind of put it out there and you, you show that you're the expert and you're the thought leader in this content. And um, I think that gets past any kind of insecurities of being too small, you know, for whatever, whatever people are looking for. I think I can tell you from what HubSpot tells us, one of the, one of the most, if not the most outside of the homepage viewed pages on our site is the tabs that we have for pricing. Right. And I, I will hmm. admittedly tell you that it is not where it needs to be right now. We just went through an overhaul. And when you go there, it's just the quote form for the time being, but everybody's attracted to that because they want to know what we cost. And so if I can go in there and, and my goal over the course of this week is to get the content up that dives into total cost of risk, you know, why insurance isn't the only cost that you're getting into and use it as a chance to take a highly trafficked page to educate people truly on what we do that's different in the insurance marketplace in terms of our thought process. That is probably actually the same content that Jeff's seeing in some cases, not just from the human factor, but to really educate people in the about us section of the firm. It's just when we have that pricing tab at the top, by far, it's it's a huge buying mm -hmm. signal for us. It's in our lead scoring and HubSpot is one of the top scores that will give a lead that is going to our website. So um, that's, that's so what we see here. But I need to... I, the content around that doesn't obviously need to be click here to get a quote. That's a horrible experience when somebody gets there. We're gonna we're gonna build that out. I'm just trying to figure out what that architecture looks like in my head for how it's gonna how it's gonna read. Gotcha. Kyle, you had a question. Yeah, well, I, you kind of answered it right there at the end. I was gonna ask what so the pricing tab is is right now a fillable form, and they can go quote it. And you were talking about just adding adding content to that around the total cost of risk so it educates them a little bit and then they can fill out the form or it's, you still haven't really totally figured it out yet? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just going to, we'll have like a button or something to go get a quote. Yeah. I don't want to have the form embedded on the page with all of that. I'll put some sort of engaging graphic, probably a video or whatever to to keep people on there. But, um, right. you know, if we can get them engaged right out of the box, and like, oh, wow, I've never heard this before. Let me read mm -hmm. another sentence. Let me read another sentence. Because it's the same thing that we get when we talk, you know. But the problem is we don't always get the opportunity to talk to the prospect or the person that's shopping in the shadows and everything. So your website sure. really needs to reflect the same message you're going to give when you get to the point of sale. If I've got people who are looking for me to go in and bid their insurance, that's not my client. That's not right. who I want to attract. So having a quote form in that section is going to attract exactly who I don't want to deal with. Right. Doesn't mean that we wouldn't occasionally get a good account that we would want to work with that way. But we know this, Kyle. You've seen it come in from different web leads. This week, we've had a really good run. Yeah. You know, we've had quite a few come in and they were all relatively good and, and we've written like literally every single one of them. But mm -hmm. then there are weeks that come through and it's like the single just person general garbage. contract. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And so we actually have a graphic we created that's who is our who was our client and it says, you know, by percentage, it's people who, you know, want to get better and understand they have a problem, people who are good but want to take it to the next level. Um in in I need to get on there and, and mess around. Don't a know bit they more. have a people who don't know they have a problem, but are willing to listen and eventually, you know, we we help them fix that problem. Or people who have a problem and don't care, obviously not our client. That's the <laughs> piece of the pie that's removed from it. But I think you have to educate people about that stuff, man. You know, if you listen to Marcus Sheridan talk or you read his book, you know, I'm very much in line with what Marcus does and, and, and teaches, and honestly have been doing a good bit of what what he does at, at a smaller scale for about the same amount of time, honestly, when, when social media marketing is what it came onto the scene as originally, I jumped on the bandwagon immediately. I've been on LinkedIn since LinkedIn was a, a, a tiny little baby because I was able to see that this is where some, this, this is probably a good bet to make probably yeah. going to be a, a good place in the future. Little did I know it was, everybody was going to see that and then automate it and turn it into bots and turn it into a massive cesspool if you allow it yeah. to be. But, um, you know, I, I really think that, that going in and having, the, the the right um the right messaging behind each of those what, whatever the place is that they go make sure that the messaging is is rock solid i mean I, I, that's a long way to say that and also i've got another question for for jeff too man. i didn't mean to interrupt you no i was just gonna say, I was no, gonna no. say just very quickly that i think it's okay also to to tell people prospects um who you're not a good fit for right i think that's kind yes. of what you're saying mm -hmm. is it, you can very easily say i think it's and it's scary for some people Right, because you're saying right, you got to be yeah, you have to be confident in who your who your core audience would be, um, who's going to be a great fit. So you can say, you know, if this is you, we may not be the right fit. If you're looking for the absolute cheapest premium on the planet with subpar coverage, right. and you might get hit hard, and you might be wiped out financially or whatever, um, we're we're probably not a good fit. If you care about the value of the insurance and being well protected and et cetera, et cetera, then we're going to be an awesome fit for you. And it kind of weeds mm -hmm. out some of the tire kickers that you that you might be getting through on the forums now um, on that page that you're talking about on the uh, Florida Risk uh, website. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, when you talk about that, though, the, all the things that have to go in for them to be able to define that agencies get stuck, right? I mean, a, a good agency has a defined client and they're willing to turn down business because they know it either can't scale or they can't provide value to that. But it takes a, it takes a pretty self-aware agency to be able to say that, yeah. you know, and, and that was always the, that was always the challenge with that. We don't want to turn anything down, you know? Well, yeah, you do actually, you want to turn a lot down, down the stretch. But uh, so, so I got the website hooked up. I, I'm an agency. I've got some interactive stuff on there. I mean, do you guys help drive traffic to that? I mean, I'm an agency. I, I don't want to spend all this time and energy on doing this. You know, even now as I'm doing like marketing, it's just blowing my mind how much crap is out there and, and who to trust and how much time can be sunk into this stuff. And so, I mean, I guess there's two parts to this. First, what drives folks to that website the best in, in your experience and with your data? And then secondly, you know, do you guys help facilitate that or do we hook up with like a HubSpot stuff like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So most of the time, just so if the website's built the right way, you're likely going to see a nice increase in where you're showing up within Google and other search engines. Because you have to remember, a lot of insurance agency websites are behind the times, aren't built the right way, don't have things like uh, schema markup for location pages and multiple location pages if you have multiple locations. And there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes into rankings. 
um, including five-star reviews. Does the agency have a lot of five-star reviews? That sort of thing. So just by launching a website, typically we'll see a nice improvement in where agencies rank because of the stuff that's built in. Um, the other piece of it, of course, is you can be as proactive or as reactive as you want to be with this stuff. So if you're producing content on an ongoing basis that's unique to the agency, not just boilerplate generic content that gets spread out across a bazillion websites and it's all the same, that doesn't really do much to help search. But if you're creating unique content, if you're taking the, the Marcus approach um, and you're answering questions, what questions are you getting? You're answering those questions, you're posting that consistently. That's gonna obviously help with the traffic that you get because Google's looking at that and saying, well, geez, most insurance agencies aren't doing anything. Look at this one. They're creating this really valuable content that's resonating with people. But I think outside of prospects, there's also another side that gets um, overlooked sometimes, which is your existing clients. So you have clients mm -hmm. and the website has, or should have uh, as many tools for them as it would for prospects. So when you think about uh, a service center of some sort, or are you tapping into the agency management system? Are you giving them some ability to access whatever they want to access? Or even if you're not doing that, just giving them the option of starting a claim or, or starting the process to request a certificate, like basic forms on the website, um, I think is also really powerful. I mentioned video proposals before, even though that we call them video proposals, um, and, and for those that may not know it, you can record your screen, record your webcam, and it creates a password protected page. You can send that to your prospect or client. But notice I just said, or client. So before the renewal happens, you can use the same tools to get in front of folks. And I was just talking with an agency owner yesterday, and um, it's really cool. You mentioned Rocket Referrals before. So um, she's using Rocket Referrals plus us, um, uh, Forge3, uh, for her active agency website. And she has an automation going out through Rocket Referrals 45 days prior to the renewal with a link to the policy review form on her active agency website. And uh, she actually, just before we started recording, she sent me an email uh, with the uh, conversion rate on that. So, so far since December, she sent out 643 emails. Remember, automated emails 45 days prior to, prior to renewal and it has 212 responses on those. So if you do the math, wow. that's about 33% that these clients of hers are filling out a renewal form, basically identifying gaps in coverage. So I think there's multiple sides hmm. to this. There's the prospecting side, and that's a lot of SEO you know, game and content and whatnot and making sure the website's built the right way. But there's also the client side, which a lot of people overlook, which is just as powerful, if not more, and that part can also be referenced during the sales process. Because when you're talking to somebody, you can say, hey, by the way, did you know we have live chat on our website? Did you know that we have a client service center? Do you know that we have this, we have this, we have that? And it differentiates the agency even before the sales even made. So I think there's different elements of it. Thanks for that. That's awesome. I think that's a good point. I think that the, a lot of times the, the client side of it on, on the website, at least, gets totally neglected. We're so obsessed with bringing in new business and trying to market to them and what people see who... Um, our potential new clients when they click on our website that we totally just forget about the about the clients. Um, so I think that's I think that's huge. So you know what's what's the difference between your platform and and, and custom? You know why why is your way better? Well, we started custom. And, and yeah. Jeff, let me let me yeah let me preface this too because the, the reason why this is a question is I'm hearing growing buzz from people that are wanting to move to custom sites. And I, I just, I don't understand what the buzz is about. To me, having built websites myself in the past on WordPress and, and people by no means am I comparing myself to any website person that does this. I just did it enough that I understand how much of a pain in the butt it is to manage plugins and security patches and all of that stuff. And how quickly your site can go down if somebody who's not a hundred percent dedicated to web the, the web development of your site yeah. manages it right. That, that's an easy check for me to write every single month because my time is worth more than what it would take for me to do that. Why in the world would people want to start messing with custom sites? A, I think it's probably more expensive. B, it's got to be way much more, more to manage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's way more. Expensive. That, that's probably, that's probably the, the first piece of it, which is the most obvious example was is the price of it, and that's where we started back in. Early, well, the mid 2000s, beginning of Forge 3, we were doing customs. That's all we did were custom sites for $10,000, dollars $30,000 at a, at a pop. Um, and then you have to pay to host it still after that. That's just the initial building the house part of it. You still got to pay the, the property taxes on your house, if I use that metaphor. 
Um, and it's the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest difference is that obviously the cost, but then once you actually have it built, well, first of all, you got to create the content from scratch. You got to create the, the, time, the time internally in an agency is massive, so understated massive. because I've, I've built like four of these for the different agencies I've worked with in operations teams that get together and discuss crap for five months about all this stuff. You lose so much time in that. Yeah. And that's just, it's, it's hard to conceptualize. And you don't have any of the, any of the features or tools or sales tools or the, the, just all this stuff that's baked into a platform. You lose all of that. You're, you're creating something. Sure. It's from scratch and you can create whatever you want to create from that but you're most likely not going to have video proposals built in. You're not going to have clickable coverage. You're not going to have Hello Producer, which is another one of our kind of cool things. But whatever's built into the platform that you end up choosing, you're going to not have any of that. So you're going to have this website that just sits there dormant and stagnant unless you're really pumping in a lot of effort doing stuff with it. Um, whereas the platform approach, it's always updated, right? So um, you know, in our case, we're coming out with clickable coverage graphics all the time. We have uh, over 50 now. And those are just, we just say, hey, by the way, we have distillery insurance. Do you want us to add that to your page um, or create the new page on your website and it's all included and whatever? So you don't have to worry about it. And it just kind of works. And, you know, what's interesting is looking back at some of the websites we created back in the day for literally $30,000 plus, the quality of the platform approach is way better than even what we were doing for $30,000. And you compare it to you know, active agencies, 250 bucks a month. That's $3,000 a year. And it's light years beyond what a custom site would be. Um, no technical debt either, right? I mean, no technical debt. I don't have to worry about no, it. I don't have security issues. No. Well, that's awesome. It's managed. I mean, yeah, it's a managed. It's a yeah. managed solution so that you don't have to worry about it. That's the whole appeal, I think, besides the sales tools and servicing tools and the support and you know all that stuff that's built into it. It's, it's just, it's turnkey. But you can still do pretty much anything you'd want to do on top of it. So if you want to create content and create pages and create blog posts and and uh, do all this really cool stuff, you can still do that. You're just doing it on a platform that's been proven over many years instead of um, a website that maybe a local company created for ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and then they move on to the next one. And if you want to do anything, mm -hmm. you got to you know they probably charge you by the hour. You still got to pay for hosting costs. You got to renew your SSL security certificate every year. You, you got to kind of just worry about it then and babysit it, um, which for most agencies and most companies on the planet, it's just not something that makes a lot of sense. Right. Talk to us about Hello Producer. That's one of my favorites. So that actually came from the agency I was working at with my, that my dad was running. And um, we were talking to producers um, and to your point, Ryan, this, we were building the website internally for PLI, the agency. And it took like, I want to say like eight to 12 months to build this website. It was such a simple site, but when you get all these stakeholders and, and uh, e task force groups together and it just took forever. You got to create the content from scratch. Anyway, all that crap. Yeah. Uh, it's just painful. You know, I'm, I'm somebody probably like you guys, you just like want to get stuff done. Let's get some progress momentum. Like let's, you know, let's go, let's use it. Anyway, we were talking to producers and they said, well, we're never going to send people to the website because we don't want to lose the relationship with our prospect or our client. We don't want them calling the 1-800 number and it ringing the front desk and then getting lost in the shuffle somehow. And uh, so anyway, so Hello Producers is a really cool but simple concept where you can put hashtag Jeff or hashtag Ryan or hashtag Kyle, whatever it is, at the end of any website link that you would send somebody. And when they click on that link, whether it's on social and an email that you send them, whatever, it goes to the same website, the same page, except it personalizes the experience with your contact information. So a little thing pops up at the bottom right um, with your contact information, your picture, your phone number, your email address, um, even the generic phone numbers that you might have for the agency throughout the website, those can be replaced with your direct number. So if you're on mobile, the person can tap it and it starts dialing your direct phone number instead of calling the front desk. And, which is kind of cool, if you send um, uh, like a quote request form through, or any form, it could be any form on the website, it comes into the agency, but then your information's tagged onto it. So you know to give production credit to whoever the producer was, or if it's a service request coming through, you know, oh, this one is for this account, I'm gonna send it over to you know, Jeff's CSR or something like that. So really cool, we've had people update their email signatures with their hashtag thing, um, reprint business cards with their hashtag, um, it just personalizes the experience, which is uh, pretty slick. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. 
you know, it's funny, man. We actually you were talking about video proposals and the fact that you can do different things with them. We went for a period of time where we were running a campaign for uh, giving people a vulnerability assessment on their cyber program. And we yeah. had a graphic that we put in our email signature that we created. But we actually created, the, for lack of a better term, a landing page. It was actually a video proposal with a video that gave a, had a marketing slick attached with it that talked about what the process looked like. It had our calendar embedded on it so that they could um, schedule time with us if they wanted to. And I think that what made that work was the fact that it was actually a password protected page. It portrayed some level of exclusivity that, oh, this must be good information if it's behind the gateway. So we, I would get clicks like crazy on that with people typing in the password, going and watching it. What I didn't have was the average watch time of the video to see, you know, how long they actually watched that versus what they were on the page for. But I mean... Um, I honestly probably wouldn't have watched it more than five seconds. The quality of the video was absolutely terrible. I think we did it with a cell phone and an external mic. This is back before I actually invested in good video stuff. But Dude, uh, my, my video was worked. amazing. It, yeah, it was. Kyle, Kyle looked like he was being like it was. It looked like one of those Taliban videos when they hold somebody hostage. The lighting was, was so horrible. Bad, the room man. was like yellowed out. Like it was. It was. It was absolutely terrible. But I you looked know what? like I was scared. I, I, I looked terrified. <laughs> well, and the thing is, we laugh about it, man, because I'm an open book. You know, I, I, I posted in, in one of the groups that I'm, I'm in with other agents. I posted a video I did 15 years ago. If you can't look back at that, laugh. But see, obvious progression yeah. that, oh, my God, right. this, is the same, start. this is the same you dude. start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And the moral of the story is people start. Like, if, yeah. you, if you search hard enough, you're going to see some horrible videos that I did about risk management <laughs> on YouTube literally 15 years yeah. ago. And guess what? I never stopped. I never stopped. And I think that's one of the biggest things, yeah. you know, when people are looking to get a content marketing strategy together or whatever else, it, it's no different than picking up the phone and dialing for dollars. The first call is the hardest every single time. Once you make the first call, seconds easier, third, fourth, same thing holds true with doing video blog, whatever else. Yeah. But you know, you get to, we have tools that are, that are built into the, the technology that we have that many times we, we think that we're pigeonholed in how we use them. And if you're a creative person and you can think outside the box a little bit, you can figure out ways to use the tools to generate revenue that nobody else has thought of. For before. sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I always think about TikTok and like, why aren't people lighting stuff on fire and talking about insurance there? Because I mean, TikTok is the future. I, I, it doesn't matter what that that is where everything is going. The folks that are leveraging it effectively right now are really tapping into that demographic and that buying behavior. And I, you know, I, I, I just video is so freaking powerful. So I think you've got to get started because you got to start learning your lessons and getting comfortable. And you know, I, I, it, it, it's such a good point because I just I'm so up on TikTok. From the perspective of I can't wait till I see really cool agencies doing really cool things to drive eyes to that to change the perspective and the awareness of insurance. I, I, we well, need. I can tell you who it's. I can tell you who it's going to be. It's going to be Daniel Song. I mean, my my, my, my man has like 1.5 million followers or something. I know he's over a million. I'm I'm guessing it by now based on the trajectory he was growing. What does he do? It's crazy. He eats big bowls of rice. He talks about <laughs> relationship. That no people. That was not a slant. Daniel is obviously Asian. That was not. Me saying that that's literally what he does if you go and look he loads this massive bowl of rice and you're like waiting who doesn't I, love I'm, rice I'm, gui I'm guilty of this i'm like he's not gonna put another thing on the top of that boom he's not gonna do another one boom and next thing you know he, he's got whatever his sides are and he he sits there and he eats it he goes out to in and out burger and he gets a burger and he talks about why it's his favorite and he eats it he talks about relationship advice with his wife here's the thing none of that has anything to do with insurance but what it is giving him is social credibility right. this dude walks around and people know who he is now and he's getting business driven to him that way i can only imagine that the next iteration of daniel's tiktok is going to be to drive business to his insurance agency in orange park i mean it's just what's going to happen i know it's going to it's already happening he's built the base now you got to get yeah, the I message think, i, just, I no think doubt. it's already happening there's and that's the thing i think that's the key takeaway is that i think a lot of people when they think of content think oh i got to talk about insurance i got to figure out how to talk about deductibles and premiums and uh green value coverage blah blah it's like that's not really the point, right? It's the, the point is, how do you um, just build relationships with people, make it relevant? Um, like, you know, my, my wife was driving my car as a couple years ago down the turnpike in Pennsylvania, a big piece of ice came off the truck, hit the car, totaled the car. Oof. 
there are so many insurance related stories in that, but it's not just talking about insurance. It's talking about this thing that actually happened to me personally, to our family personally, my wife almost died personally, and you're making it relevant to people. And um, that's the key. And I think that's why video and especially resonates so much because you can kind of visualize that you get a better connection going with people. And I think it's also, you guys know, Derek, obviously Hayden, um, you know, he uses our platform and with video proposals with video, he has a close ratio of 91%, 91%. And I don't think that would be the case if he was just sending an email. It's because that video component is a, is a surprise factor for people. You're, you're, you have expectations that somebody has and you're immediately kind of exceeding them. And it's a surprise. It's a, it's a delight moment for this prospect, which I think is why the close ratio well, is as high as it is. Is 91% good? Hell yes. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> crazy when I heard that. Come on, come on, Hayden, step up your game. We're at ninety six down here at FRP. Come on, man. The average is a fifteen to twenty no, percent listen, increase. Is what, what is what we've seen with producers um, using video yeah. during the sales. No, process. there's no doubt. Yeah. So even that's twenty percent is no a doubt. massive lift for uh, for something as basic as that. Well, the other thing too is I think that, that people it, it just it, it always amazes me. If you're going to do it, do it. Commit to it. Don't quit. Just continue to push content out. Your audience will eventually find you. To that point, in the last three months, I have been re- I've had four different CFOs, CEOs, or COOs reach out to me over LinkedIn that says, hey, we've been following the video messages that, in blog posts that you send out training other agents how to work in the middle market. And our agent doesn't think like you. Do you have an agent in our area or are you able to write in our state so that you could come represent us because this is the kind of representation we want? That content's not even for those people, right? But I never quit pushing it out, period. If anything, I ramp it up. And it just goes to show that if if you put out good content that's relevant, even if you don't see immediately who all the who all it would be relevant to because I completely missed that one, you know, just put it out there. It's going to find its home at some point and it will stick. In my experience, looking at this stuff for 15 years at this point, plus every time somebody quits, it's like two weeks before the flywheel catches and the social right. media starts popping inbound leads. Yep. It's 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 uncanny. It's literally two to four weeks every single time. We had an agency that, or a producer that worked in, in the last agency that I was at that religiously blogged for like six, eight months didn't see a return on his investment right away, left. Not even 30 days after he left, we wrote $7 million in premium that was generated in the vertical he was blogging. Right. You got to go to the gym, right? You're going to the gym. You can't, you're not going to go to the gym and uh, say, all right, that was good. I went one day and now look at me. It just takes time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the gym is personal, right? The gym, I mean, the, the thing is, because I post a lot of video, you know, on LinkedIn, especially, and most of it's pretty personal. And You've been ramping it up too, man. This this last week, I've seen a lot from you. The last yeah. couple of weeks, yeah, because I, I mean, we I needed to be quiet during the time. I mean, really, I was entrenched in enable and learning that whole thing and having to do that, so I didn't have time to focus uh, on what I wanted to do on LinkedIn. So I took a year off and have come back. But you know, so much of my stuff that I've put out over the years, I get clicks on all the time. You know, and people it'll res- like I've had people come up like crying and be like, "Hey, you talked about your sister's addiction, and that meant so much to me." But it's hard when you put something out there and you don't get likes or you don't. I mean, it's a mental block that you kind of have to get over. And once you're past it, it's like you said, you're like, screw it. It's not for them. I'm proud of that content. It represents me and what I believe in. And I can stand on that. And and if it and if it doesn't get seen or nobody appreciates it, I'm still proud of it. And that, that kind of keeps once you get to that place, I think it's much easier. Good point. Totally agree. And I think that's probably what you're saying, David, is that I call them pre-relationships sometimes where you, someone at a conference or something comes up to you. And I'm sure you get this all the time. Where they're like, oh, yeah, we never met, but I feel like I know you. Oh, you talked yeah, about this or you talked about this other thing or and, and that's think about that. Like, think about the power of that. You can literally sit there in your jammies and record a video or write a blog post or something, and you do it consistently enough, and you have all these relationships or pre-relationships being built out there. You don't even know about them. And think about the power of that over time and and being consistent with that because 99% of other people aren't doing any of this. And there's the opportunity, especially in the insurance industry. There's a massive opportunity still uh, to be very different and to really break through by just doing a little bit more than um, than the other guys down the street. 
100% of the time that I speak in public, I tell the story of what got me to go into the insurance industry because it's a message that I think everybody needs to hear whether you're in it or you're not. And it goes back to the day that I flew down from Birmingham, Alabama to Tampa, Florida to have lunch with a guy that eventually gave me my first crack at being a middle market producer. And as we sat there having lunch, he said, David, the insurance industry is an average industry. It is full of C players, period. People who can do just enough to get by, but make an, a, a good living doing it. They don't want to have to push themselves. They're not going to work more hours than they absolutely want to and, and everything. And so I took that uh, and, and, and he finished up with saying, look, if you're an A player, if you think you're an A player, you're going to dominate in a, a C industry. It's just the way that it is. I look back at that almost 20 years later. He was 100% right, man. It hasn't changed in 20 years. Mm -hmm. My first year in, I worked 50 hours a week, you know, not necessarily killing myself, but I came from an industry where I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. I'm working half as much as I'm used to working, but twice as much as my competition. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was on vacation. I wrote <laughs> more business because I'd answer the phone at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon than anything else. Right. People are out playing golf, drinking beer, not that building the relationship and things aren't important, but we forget the basics, man. We forget that we need to dial. We forget we need to cold call. We forget we need to have the email drip campaigns and actually create meaningful content around that so that you can drive people to a website. And when they get there, there's actually something for them to see or read. Right. And we're in the process right now of going back in. We've got a, we've got probably a hundred blog posts that we're going to have to systematically distribute over the course of the next year, probably that are sitting in a Dropbox that we've been, that we've created and just constantly created. And guess what? David got busy, didn't have time to get it up on the website. And so it just sat there accumulating. So look, if you go listen to if you go to my website right now, here I am talking, you know, being Johnny content, right, about <laughs> Florida risk, you're gonna go see that we haven't put a ton of of blogs on there. I take hundred percent accountability for that. My time and energy for blogging has been at killing commercial and power producers for the course of the last probably year, year and a half. I have other people in my organization that really need to be stepping up and doing the content. And Kyle and Raphael and everybody else knows that now every Monday after sales meeting, we have a studio in the back that we built with a brand new video rig, brand new audio rig, and an engineering computer. And we will record that video content every week before they leave. It'll be transformed uh, into a blog post and it'll go up every single week from multiple producers across the board. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the thing in... You know, we have to get better about producing the stuff. I would say we've never been bad about producing it, right? We've always produced the content. I'm I'm the person, right? I'm the control freak that lets it bottleneck with me. And that that ended when I made the decision I'm not <laughs> doing that anymore. We actually my my oldest son is starting full time at the agency March first, and that's his that's gonna be his role. You know, he he already is doing all of the YouTube editing for power producers at this point, and I've we've got a roadmap of all of the stuff that he's gonna pick up and do because guess what people it's a really bad business decision for me to be posting blogs I can write them and that's a good business decision but for me to go through the mechanics of actually taking that word document copying it pasting it making sure it's good in grammarly going into Yoast or whatever plugin you use for SEO to make sure that it's optimized and all of that stuff that is not an agency principal's job the problem for me is I like marketing. That's a passion for me. So it tends to get a lot of my attention. And so I make bad business decisions by following what my, my passion is in that regard. I'm not going to open a marketing company. I'm not going to open a web company. I've already resorted to being an agent for the rest of my career. I just need to focus on doing that and do what I preach and outsource the stuff to the people who are better, uh, better suited to handle that stuff monetarily as well as skill set. Yeah, and I, and I think the challenging thing with a lot of agencies is that the, it takes a certain amount of jumping off the cliff or uh, it, there's there's an there's a unknown factor where you can't, it's not like you, you, you put a dollar into some machine and it spits back a dollar 50 the next day. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it takes a certain amount of just, I know this is going to work and I know this is going to pay off and I know that it's going to eventually produce fruit, but it's not going to happen exactly right now. Um, and I think that's a scary leap for a lot of people. I think that's probably the number one reason why a lot of folks don't, uh, don't end up doing it. Uh, or well, they can't see that return right away. Right. And I mean, I think that they don't understand, like you said, that, you know, what you're actually building is a treasure trove of content that you can then distribute as needed and as you, as you want to. And so I do, I think that people get turned off by not having that instant, instant 
kind of win with it. But it just takes, and it takes time. It takes time and consistency. He, he, so know? here's a way I think that you can combat that a little bit. If, if someone's listening to this saying, well, yeah, I don't know how exactly how this would work or if I'm in it for the long haul or whatever. I think if you, if you just do things where you can answer questions that clients have and then create that, that database on the website, for example, wherever you want to put it, the website's a great place for it, obvious for SEO reasons and everything else. But then you can, your team can start using that content, even just to share it with clients or producers can share it manually with prospects. So instead of just this magical post it and then magically all this SEO mojo happens and it attracts all this business to the agency, sure, that'll happen over time. But the, the immediate benefit, the immediate hit to the agency in a positive way could be just using the content and sharing it. We do this all the time on our, like we have a help center on our website, which is basically our kind of like a blog format. And we just post articles there. We answer questions and then we, sh and then, but our team uses it all the time. Every day we're sending links to those, to those resources to people. Um, in addition to the SEO benefit of getting ranked better in Google and all of that. So I think that's another kind of an easier way maybe for some folks to think about it, especially to get started, create a library internally that you can use to streamline your operations and answer common questions. So you don't have to do it every single day on phone calls and emails and everything else. Yep. Absolutely. What have we missed? There's so much there, but I really think that, uh, you know, from the, from the tactical questions that Jeff answered for me, at least it helps me understand as agencies are looking for guidance, you know, what to, to at least help them know what's driving that. I think the about section thing was just a really great piece of information. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a constant question for a lot of the firms that I've worked with is how much do we put there or not? And ultimately that humanization of them using that as a differentiator, showing that culture, showing that spirit, that's kind of that that focus is, is an important one to remember. Yeah, and I would, I would add on to do that across everything, not just the website. Think about that on social. Think about um, in, in your emails that you're sending to people, if you're doing email marketing blasts and that sort of thing, um, instead of making it a boring newsletter or whatever, try to inject the personality of the agency. What's going on? Um, you know, Make it human. Uh, connect those dots a little bit more because most people don't do that. And that's where the opportunity is. Ryan, what do you want to say about Enable before we wrap up? I'm going to have you back to do a full-blown episode or we'll do a mini-series or whatever, but there's been a lot of updates since we had you on the last time. Any quick bullets you want to get out there so people can hear what you're doing? I mean, you know, ultimately we have we, we, we connect the data sources inside your agency, whatever it is. We bring it over into one area. We make it usable. Um, but no, I mean, I'm really just proud and glad to be here with Jeff. You know, honestly, it's it's I've been a fan of theirs and what they've done forever and uh and especially now as I'm exploring this stuff, really, really trying to figure out, you know, how can I help an agency get in contact with him and make sure that they, he kind of knows how to drive that forward. And I'm just glad to be here talking about insurance agency stuff because that's the bomb. Baby. <laughs> this is fun, too. I didn't know you were going to be on this one, Ryan. I'm, I'm pumped to see you here. So that was uh, that was fun. It was a fun surprise for me. Good deal. All right, guys. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and wrap up so that we can be respectful of everybody's time. We've been going about an hour. Appreciate Jeff coming on. Ryan, appreciate the last minute pop in. Yep. We will definitely get something solidified with you. What I'd really like to do, Ryan, instead of just having a a, a one episode deal is put together like a, a four to six mini series shop talk like we did with Kevin Ring and Josh Gurley and Steven Sedlak. Because mm -hmm. when you get on, people listen, but going for an hour... I need more deeds than just an hour and we can break that up into a, to a shorter period. So really want to get, get, yeah. get up to speed on what's going on with enable. You guys are getting ready. I mean, you're in market at the marketplace now, right? So. Yeah, we're, we're, out, we're out to market and we're bringing big agencies on. It's been pretty exciting. Actually. I was, I was, I, I it was sucked that I couldn't be at that killing commercial meeting yesterday. You had Randy on and he and I've been talking and that, what a great guy that is. Mm -hmm. Randy is somebody actually that, was, that I, that I, I actually recommended to him that you guys connect when he and I have been, we've been talking for a couple months now and he, yes, we need to talk about that offline. We won't, we won't get into any more Absolutely. of that here. But yeah. Definitely a great connection yeah. for you. Everybody else. We will catch you next time. Listen, if you want to take your game to the next level, we have killing commercial insurance an online ecosystem for commercial middle market producers that is getting more and more active. We're finally getting them to use the social network and get some adoption there, which is awesome awesome to see people interacting and changing the game and if you don't want to do the full killing commercial experience talk to us about the power producers mastermind you get access to some of the best minds in the insurance industry and they will do one-on-one -on -one coaching with you we have bi-weekly calls and we also um 
have a private LinkedIn group that we operate in that is relatively active as well. So go to killingcommercial.com to check that stuff out. And if all you want to do is listen to the podcast, we're cool with that too. Just leave us a review, please. There is no way in the world we are getting almost 20,000 downloads a month at this point. We got less than 100 reviews on iTunes. Come on, folks. I'm not charging you for this stuff. Give us a review. If you hate us, give us a review. If you love us, give us a review. Just do something. Please. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.